Today I'm talking to Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross, Confessions of a TV News Correspondent. Peggy, thanks for being with us today. Great to be with you, Chris. You were my first editor. And I'm glad to see that this has come to fruition. Yeah, so am I. Thank you. So share with our, our listeners what prompted you to write this book. Uh Chapter 11 in the book. Okay. Yeah, but for all of our podcast audience out here today. Well, yeah, the chapter 11 uh, in the book is uh, my first pilgrimage to Mm -hmm. Medjugorje, uh, which really had the effect of changing my life and changing all of my perspective. And it it was written 33 years ago. Hmm. In Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. It's largely just the way I wrote it down in a journal that I kept on that trip. And um, a, a priest read it and mm-hmm. suggested, you know, he had written for Doubleday and he suggested I take it to a publisher. And mm-hmm. I just didn't, you yeah. know, I wasn't ready to have it yeah. in book form. But as um, life went on and stories accumulated, uh, People would say to me, why don't you write a book about it and put those stories in there? And again, I just didn't do it. And mm-hmm. I finally got the motivation to write it, to write a story for my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And that finally, we yeah. started putting those stories together. And you were in on that and saying, we have to find a way to knit these stories together, Peggy. Yeah. 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 Because it's very organic as you live it. Mm -hmm. But when you're sharing it with other people, you've got to find a way to share that same sort of organic feel to it. I think think it turned out all right. Um, You started out in as an ABC News correspondent in D.C. How did you end up there? Well, I didn't start. I started in, actually in oh, Milwaukee, okay. Wisconsin, with mm-hmm. a, a C, as a, a, a CBS affiliate called mm-hmm. WISN TV, and I was with them for two years, and mm-hmm. it was a very good job. But my ambition, yeah, from my junior year in college, was mm-hmm. to to be a network news correspondent where I could cover national and international news. So at the end of two years um, at WISN, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, it, if you're going to get too comfortable here, if you get this comfortable, you're never going to realize that goal. Yeah. So I resigned that job to everyone's dismay and disapproval and uh, went to Washington. Mm-hmm. And as I always joke, uh, CBS, ABC, and NBC were not waiting for me on the mall. Yeah. <laughs> so in the meantime, I took uh, some other uh, jobs. But um, it, within about a year, year and a half mm-hmm. after I, I, I started working for Metro Media, which was a radio network, mm-hmm. a media network that covered the eastern region of the United States. Mm-hmm which gave me access to some wonderful um, stories of Bobby Kennedy and uh, mm-hmm. was in that d- domain and the White House, the White mm-hmm. and the Capitol and so forth. And from there I went to ABC. And this was, this was a, 
kind of that transition from from the World War II era into kind of I I hesitate to say well I suppose where where the world was covered in color right like this was kind of that hinge point where so many things were changing right the sixties was mm-hmm. a very um, momentous decade mm-hmm. I don't think at the time we were aware how momentous it was yeah um, but it 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 along came the sexual re- revolution which mm-hmm. changed everything including mores even among we Catholics mm-hmm. uh, and of course we had the Cuban Missile Crisis and mm-hmm. and um, we had riots we had <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you name it we had it yeah um, but it was yeah it was a very momentous period and there were almost no women mm-hmm. um, somebody once told me there were about 12 women in the United States doing what you're doing um, which was a little intimidating. Yeah. And and you wound up being the only woman in the newsroom. But now there must be 12,000 women. Mm. And now maybe only 12 men. I mean, I keep saying, where did all the men go? Yeah. Yeah. We're sort of, we're all kind of living in the products of the, the eras that you were, you were covering, that you were there for. Mm. Um, talk to me about what... Wh- if you had to pick one of these figures who really kind of stands out in your memory the most, which which would you say? Well, of the famous folk, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you've got LBJ and you've got Bobby Kennedy and Fidel Castro and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, hands down, I would say Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the famous folk, he, mm-hmm. she she and she embodied the presence and the persona of Christ like no one mm-hmm. I have ever met. When she took your hand mm-hmm. in her large, rather large hands, very soft hands and very warm, and she she held your hand in both of hers mm-hmm. and looked right at you. While everyone else may be looking at her, she's not focusing on that at all. She's mm-hmm. focused on whoever she's speaking to. There was, it was almost as if our Lord himself was mm-hmm. standing there looking at you and talking to you. Yeah. I think even people who never met her personally had that sense that there was just something different, uh, which came across just, I think, even in the photographs or the TV coverage. Um so you you I suppose we could say perhaps that you've met saints and sinners yeah, over the right. many years of of being in Washington. And I've met myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the I'm in the sinner category. It's one of the great challenges of the Catholic life. Yeah. So which um but the other I would say mm-hmm. of the non-famous um the story of Petar. Well, you were my first editor. I don't know if you remember back then, but he was the one I met during mm-hmm. on Apparition Hill mm-hmm. during uh, the Balkan War, yep. and and the day I spent with him was embedded in my mind forever. Of course, yeah. we were at the front lines of yeah. the war. Yeah, and that tends to make exceptional people. <laughs> yeah, that as we're seeing in Ukraine right now, really, uh, and the people having to endure that sort of terrible suffering. Yeah. Um, now. Now you were 
you were both in DC as a correspondent, but also kind of then as the scene at a certain point when you met Bill. Right. Talk to us about that. Well, uh, in in how we met, or or how, uh, well, what it was like to be a congressional wife. Well, how about how about how you met? Wasn't sure how you met. Well, we. <laughs> I was walking down the steps of the House of Representatives that I when I was covering it, and I was about, you know about to flag a cab, mm-hmm. and up drives this long Lincoln mm-hmm. car black car, and this handsome gentleman who was a freshman congressman asked, would you like a ride? Mm -hmm. And he was 15 years older than I was, so um, I thought, I bet Mm -hmm. he's married, and I said, no, thank you. (laughs) But then when uh, a little later, uh, I was in the House cloakroom. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to interview a congressman, uh, you would um, go into the, what was called the House cloakroom right off the floor of the House mm-hmm. of Representatives. And so we'd go sometimes with our little tape recorders and try to capture an interview there. And I was there, and one of the congressmen from o- another congressman from Ohio, which is where Bill was representing a district, uh, said to me, um, why won't you go out with Bill Stanton? I said, who's he? Because, you know, I knew mm-hmm. he was, that this gentleman was a congressman, but I didn't know his name because he was a freshman. And, of course, if you were a news person, you weren't covering the freshmen in those mm-hmm. days. You were covering the senior yeah. guys who had made a name for themselves. Mm-hmm. Very snobby stuff. <laughs> and um, so he pointed to him, and I said, well, he's married, isn't he? He said, no, he's not married. I said, he's never been married? No, he's never been married. Oh, <laughs> say I. Yeah. So the next time he asked me for a date, mm-hmm. I, I accepted. And you were both Catholic, practicing Catholic at the time. Yeah, right. He yeah. was very much of a practicing mm-hmm. Catholic. And on our first date, um, there was a thick black book sitting on the passenger seat. I said, mm-hmm. what's this? And he said, well, it's a, my missile, he said. Yeah. I said, why is it here? He said, because I go to Mass in the morning. I mm-hmm. said, every morning? Yeah. And he said, every morning. I said, oh, a congressman who yeah. goes to Mass every morning? Poor congressman. They had some undeserved bad yeah. <laughs> reputation. Yeah. Well, but I think a lot of people kind of assume that it's just very hard in D.C. or New York or the big cities to really kind of maintain the practice of your faith, especially if you're involved in the worlds of power or of wealth. Did you see people really successfully navigate that mm-hmm. when, in your I time? Did. I did. How did they manage that? Can you give us some, some sense yeah. of how that's possible? Well, I think uh, it's po- very much possible mm-hmm. if you come with a firm set of values, mm-hmm. beliefs, um, I think that uh, it, it's, I shouldn't say it's, it's not super easy. Yeah. There are a lot of temptations. Mm-hmm. And I think especially for men, mm-hmm. you know, they have an office full of women working for them, sometimes very attractive women, mm-hmm. and sometimes women who are 
want to be mm-hmm. attractive to the congressman, whether mm-hmm. he's married or not. Yeah. And then you have the problem that the the family sometimes doesn't come to Washington, which I've mm-hmm. always maintained is a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you have to sacrifice financially to do it, do it mm-hmm. because um, the job is so demanding yeah. in Congress that when a man comes home from a long day and stressful day uh, on the Hill, mm-hmm. he needs to have somebody to, he trusts and loves to unwind. Mm-hmm. And and if he's going home to an apartment because his family isn't there, his yeah. wife isn't there to talk to, um, it, it, I think it's understandable if a man uh, says to a co-worker, mm-hmm. well, let's go grab a bite. Yeah. Because she knows what he's been through. Mm-hmm. His wife doesn't. If she lives in the district, she doesn't know what goes on day to day in the yeah. Washington world. Yeah. And so, so in some sense, I guess it's the same as everywhere, just kind of presence and relationship and, and being rooted in faith and family. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you find, what was your parish community at that point in your life? Where in D.C. were you? Well, several different. My mm-hmm. uh, when I lived in Georgetown, yeah. uh, it was it, it was Epiphany Catholic Church, mm-hmm. which was on Dunbarton Street and was um, known as the French Church because mm-hmm. they had a French Mass, mm-hmm. but it, they had lots of English Masses yeah. too, and that was closest to my home. But we also uh, when Bill and I. Uh, got married, and Bill had an uh, apartment across the the br- key bridge mm-hmm. over in Arlington, Virginia. Um, he, we would come over the bridge and go to St. Dominic's mm-hmm. Catholic Church was near the hill. Actually, it's yeah. where um, Lucy Johnson, mm-hmm. Lucy Baines Johnson, used to go and take her dad there sometimes and st- go there to pray late at night. Mm-hmm. You know, during the Vietnam War. Yeah. Hard times that needed that sort of support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, and then throughout the one of the things that really struck me when you were talking about um, your life in Washington was just how very bipartisan it seemed that you and Bill had good relationships with people on both sides of the mm-hmm. aisle. Is that still possible today? Do you think? Sadly, well, I you know I can't. I'm not in that circle anymore mm-hmm. so i can't speak to it from an inside look at the moment but from everything i hear from people and everything i see on the mm-hmm. news and everything i read in the newspapers uh, it is not at all as it mm-hmm. was uh, we i mean i laugh and say that i i can remember a dinner party i gave at our house mm-hmm. and we were the only Republicans there. Yeah. <laughs> there were all Democrats around the table. Yeah. And we all got along so well. And mm-hmm. Bill Bill was very good at that. He mm-hmm. he um, he really he was one of those men who he had a lot of gifts. I mean he was he was very good looking and he was very you know, he was had been very successful in business before he came to mm-hmm. Congress, so he didn't have economic worries. And he, uh, but he, but he was, uh, he was a real leader, mm-hmm. quiet leader. Had been a leader most of his life, and he, but he was confident in his gifts. So he, 
he was not egotistical. That's yeah. funny. You know, I'm sure you've known people like that, Chris, who know they have the gifts, mm-hmm. know where the gifts come from. They come from God. Yeah. And that's to whom you owe the allegiance and the gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's the way he was. So he worked. He didn't have to have uh, his name. Mm-hmm. Some legislation he drafted, he put other people's name on it. To, yeah hopefully to get their support. <laughs> but, I mean, he just worked with, and when he re- retired, Tip O'Neill, who was then the speaker and a Democrat, mm-hmm. um, said, this is, in my 30 years in this House of Representatives, one of the finest men I've ever known. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a Democrat saying that about a Republican. I'm not just yeah. saying it because my husband. I'm just showing mm-hmm. that there was that kind of bipartisanship. Yeah, And it's so sad to see that disappearing because it makes a world of difference for the country and for mm-hmm. the legislation. You, your legislation is so much better. Mm-hmm. If there are yeah. both sides have come together and decided this is something that's the best for the country, yeah. not what's best for my position in my district or mm-hmm. my state and that will get me reelected. Yeah. And it seems like it's a form of loving your neighbor it seems like it's sort of an inevitable part of our Catholic faith that mm-hmm. we're going to be surrounded by people who don't share that faith, whom we are still called to love. Mm-hmm. How how do you think that might be a guide for us going forward, trying to kind of heal some of these divisions in our communities since Christ called us to both love our neighbor and to be peacemakers? You know, I, again, you look to Mother Teresa, mm-hmm. who um, there's a chapter in the book uh, about her historic speech mm-hmm. at the National Prayer Breakfast that mm-hmm. people still remember in 1993, yeah. and I was fortunate enough to be at that present mm-hmm. for that speech. Uh, but at that particular, you know, there was a lot of pushback even in the church mm-hmm. to have her make that speech yeah. because on the same dais where there was, were the Clintons mm-hmm. who were very pro-abortion yeah. and she was very anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but finally it, it, it went forth. Um, but uh, she gave that speech and she didn't hold back at all yeah. talking about abortion. Mm-hmm. She said, you know... If you, if a mother can kill the baby in her womb, what is it for you and I to kill one another? Yep. And then, and then she said, if you don't want the baby, I want the baby. Give yep. me the baby. We are curing abortion with adoption. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Clintons and the yeah. place erupted in applause. Yeah. Just erupted and. Um, 3,000 people were there, heads of state and mm-hmm. so forth. And she, uh, and then Clintons just sat there. They they loved her, but they just yeah. sat there with their hand. And they didn't yeah. get up and applaud because mm-hmm. that was the opposite side of their view. Yeah. But here's where Mother Teresa's genius, mm-hmm. the Lord's genius, was she went to Hillary and she said, we are building... Uh, she told her she was building a place, or the place was being built. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say Mother Teresa herself and her nuns were building it, but it was being built mm-hmm. for women in crisis in Northwest Washington. And she said, "Will you help me?" And Hillary agreed to do that. And 
two years later when the place was open, there is a picture in the Washington Post of mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton standing at the podium. I don't know what she was, but she's laughing. Yeah. Seated right next to the podium is Mother Teresa and her nuns, and they're mm-hmm. all laughing. Yeah. I mean, no one, Mother Teresa could be very strong in mm-hmm. what her beliefs were. Yeah. But she was also very loving. She never mm-hmm. um, was was critical of the people who held opposite mm-hmm. positions. And she may, she may have been critical of their position, but mm-hmm. not of that person. Okay. And people felt that and yeah. resonated and worked with her where they could. Yeah, they never doubted that she loved them. That's right. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what's missing. Yeah. That's what's missing in our congressional relations. And I think the the average kind of American who thinks about politics at all or listens to some of the radio shows, everyone's got their favorite epithet for the other side and they don't often, as you said, have dinner together. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, is not a sacrament, but is in a way sacramental, often helping to bring people together. Yeah. I'm sure you've done that many times over the years. Of the well, congressional some of dinners. my, actually, some of my closest friends, you know, when I was there when Roe v. Wade hmm. became law. And I, a um, lot of my good friends, who were good women, mm-hmm. they weren't bad women, they were, they were, Brought in by that line, you know, mm-hmm. choice. That yeah. was a brilliant semantic move mm-hmm. to use the word choice. Yeah. Um, I used to say, yes, I believe in choice too, but my choice ends when the baby's nose begins. <laughs> it's a <laughs> great line. Never, yeah. <laughs> there, that always, <laughs> there was a little silence after that. But um, we could talk about it. Mm-hmm. And they knew I loved them. They were my good friends, and I cared mm-hmm. about them, and they cared about me. And so we could discuss it yeah. back and forth. We weren't calling each other, well, you, you know, mm-hmm. bum for what you believe. You just don't yeah. do that. Yeah. You argue your point. You make your point, mm-hmm. and, and you try to listen to yeah. what their side of the show is. And um, Yeah. The great mistake being either only truth or only love, which turns out neither to be truth nor love, but it's got to be both together. Exactly. We need what we so need today in the abortion discussion. Yeah. Persuasion. Mm -hmm. I mean, we do need the laws, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, but if it's it's got, you've got to um, persuade somebody that yeah. this is the wrong thing to do and the reasons why it's the wrong mm-hmm. thing to do without uh, being yeah. angry as you uh, enunciate what your belief is. And just like Mother Teresa did, also taking care of the women, of the orphans, of everyone at every phase of this this dilemma. Exactly. Yeah. Which the church has done, but I think that we've been kind of underfunded for <laughs> a little while. Well, so many of these pregnancy centers are doing beautiful things yeah. for the women. I mean, you, unplanned, uh, planned, <laughs> that's yeah. a good law. Maybe that was a happy accident. Unplanned parenthood. Yeah. Um, you go, you get the abortion, mm-hmm. and that's it. But they, um, 
when you go to a pregnancy center, you decide to have the baby. Mm-hmm. They help you with clothing for the baby. They help you with training for how to be a mother. They help you. Some of them help you right through the whole first year mm-hmm. of um, the birth after the birth of a child. Yeah. Beautiful work. Yeah. And we could Concern use... Concern for the mother is what you... Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we always need more, I think. It feels like there's... There, it is it is a wonderful thing they're doing. And we could use another 10, probably. So that's certainly an important work of mercy for anyone listening who oh. would like to Absolutely. step out in faith. Uh, have do. you ever thought who we've lost? Yeah. In the 62 million lives yeah. that are gone? Yeah. We might have lost a, for, uh, a future president, mm-hmm. a future uh, great a doctor who would have found the cure for something like COVID yeah. or the next pandemic, uh, a, a brilliant artist, writer, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I hate to think of what we lost. Absolutely. Well, and the importance, the importance then of, of that, the new evangelization leading to the culture of life, leading to the civilization of love that the popes have been hammering away at for the past hundred years, um, which the Knights of Columbus have been so good about promoting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you've, you've worked with the Knights in D.C. a few times on different things and with the Marian Fathers on some of the Marian Days of Prayer, Marian Retreats, I think. Right. Well, we had um, years ago, there mm-hmm. was a Marian House of Prayer in Washington. I, mm-hmm. I guess maybe it's not there anymore, but worked with Brother Leonard Konopka, mm-hmm. who was a Marian brother. Uh, he, he chaired the first Divine Mercy celebration at the Basilica of the National Shrine. Hmm. Hmm. So, yeah, a great contribution. And a historic I one. did an exhibit, for an art exhibit for them. Yep. I think there might be some photos of some of that in in the book, I think, The right? uh, Divine Mercy image that I did. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to walk that line of sharing with folk, but not sharing everything, so that there's <laughs> still an incentive for reading yeah, the book. Yeah, well, there's still quite a bit we haven't talked Absolutely. about Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I kind of, I also want to kind of keep, keep prodding a little, because I think that your memories of a different political climate are so important, because I think a lot of people today have no idea it was ever different, mm. that there was ever a, a better sort of a greater comity between the sides oh, in D.C. Oh, very much so, yeah. And, and that that can be done without betraying first principles. Right. I think that people today often mistake any kind of, of openness to the other side as a betrayal. Rhinos, you know, oh, they're all rhinos, Republicans That's in name only. My way or the highway. Right? Yeah. 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 Whereas, as you said, some of the great saints of the last century showed us a very different way. Mother Teresa was was extraordinary for her ability to reach out to everybody, but John Paul as well. You yes, know, even he as he wonderful. was even yeah. as he was defeating the communists, was also loving the the leaders he was meeting, loving the people. We he had met. he ended up even after it was pretty much known by everybody that it was mm-hmm. the Russian conspiracy that yeah. caused his near assassination. Mm-hmm. Um, he worked very closely with. Um, Mikhail Gorbachev. Mm-hmm. Who just passed away, I think. Yes, yeah. We're going to be airing this later, but but at the time of the interview, that we're doing this interview right now, I think it was last week, the week before that Gorbachev had passed. Well, you, you don't mix him up with Elizabeth II now. This is true. <laughs> this is 
is true. But we've had some big funerals lately. It's been a remarkable. Well, it's sort of a change in the guard. That's something to think about Elizabeth II because mm-hmm. when you think the millions of people, yeah, who who were moved by her, even I was, mm-hmm. and uh, not just because she had a seventy-year reign, what she was a very good Christian mm-hmm. woman. She yeah. she. Um, she cared deeply, and that came out over and over again in these last few days. Mm-hmm. Um, that talking about her pastor, talking yeah. about, in fact, the pastor who was with her in Scotland mm-hmm. just days before she died. Yeah, and he said, she with all the power she had, and she, she may have been queen, mm-hmm. but he said, she followed a master. Yeah. Yeah, a faithful Christian, albeit not a Catholic, and one who tried tried as best she knew how, it certainly seems like. Had you ever had any encounters with the, the British government, the British um We did in that um, we, we were, Bill was very involved, and I was too, with the uh, Fellowship Foundation, which was actually mm-hmm. largely run by Protestants, but mm-hmm. that was... They were the ones who put on the national prayer breakfast mm. and um, where Mother Teresa spoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their idea was to unite people around the world, not so much in this particular faith as just under the leadership of Jesus Christ, that there could be no peace in the world until the mm-hmm. Prince of Peace was involved. Yeah, And, you know, I... I we believe firmly that if you're going to follow him, you ought mm-hmm. to follow him through the church that he founded. But yeah. so, and we held that be- nothing tampered with that belief. Mm-hmm. But we were involved in the idea mm-hmm. that if we could just gather under the aegis of the of mm-hmm. the Prince of Peace, that it would move peace forward. And it was it, yeah. it so lots of leaders all around the world met with one another, be you Buddhist, mm-hmm. Episcopalian, Catholic, whatever, um, and under the friendship of Christ. And yeah. so that way we became very good friends with a number of people in yeah. countries around the world, including England. We had some good friends there. And um, also, believe it or not, in East Germany, hmm. leaders, this is before the wall came down. Yeah. Huh. That's very that that would have been important though that there was some sort of connection conversation outreach going on right mm-hmm yeah, yeah. I, oh I remember the first time uh, the the leader of the fellowship foundation was a man named Doug Coe hmm. who was a close friend of hmm. ours and um, when every year when they had the national prayer breakfast it was a whole week of mm-hmm. meetings of people from all over the world mm-hmm. at the Washington Hilton and and Doug said um, these, this official, high official from East Germany was coming. Mm-hmm. And he said, would you mind having a dinner party for him? Hmm. I said, oh, oh, my, we're going to entertain a communist. Yeah. <laughs> but we got to know, li- uh, like him very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that was that. And was Bill important. gave him a cross. I think it was a cross that Bill had carried for a long time, and mm-hmm. I think maybe even in World War II. And he gave it to Herr Gysi was his mm-hmm. name. And um, 
at one point I walked through Checkpoint Charlie and went over to East Germany and to, to meet with Herr Gysi and his wife. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you know, your husband gave me uh, a cross, and I carry this. He pulled it out of his pocket. Mm -hmm. I carry it with me all the time. Yeah. That, that is a profound moment. Uh, and kind of, kind of similar to I think John Paul's visit to Poland, where mm. you know the communists gave him kind of a cold shoulder, and he gave them the fire of the Holy Spirit essentially. What a moment! I've talked to people who were actually in that crowd. Mm -hmm. What was it? How many was it? Ten million? More than that? Fourteen million? Huge people. crowd! Yeah. What are some of the historic? What was historic yeah, moment? Record breaking. Nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Well, and a, and a real turning point then for the for the broader world. Mm -hmm. um, it would be interesting, <laughs> be fascinating to hear what John Paul would think about current events. Mm. Um, especially he almost predicted, it seems to me, some of it. Well, and there's a great continuity, I think, with, with Putin and his KGB background and that longing for the USSR, that notion that the collapse of the USSR was the greatest geopolitical catastrophe exactly. of the 20th century. For, for Putin, it was, yeah. Yeah, whereas for the church and for faithful Catholics, I mean, especially in Ukraine, Ukraine being such an oppressed people, had you had you had any contact with kind of the Ukrainian Catholics during the the Cold War or, or in the nineties? No, not not in the uh, you know Polish Catholics and mm -hmm. uh, uh, other people from uh, the East, but but not. Mm -hmm. um, I don't recall many Ukrainians. Uh, yeah. But I, I've, uh, because we've done broadcasts on it, at, uh, Ave Maria, mm -hmm. on Al Cresta's show, um, we did a whole segment, maybe a couple of segments, mm -hmm. on the conflict at the beginning. And Our Lady of Vladimir, mm -hmm. you know, Go ahead and she, appeared, yeah. she appeared in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Did you know that? I'd heard of the Hrushev. I'm not she, sure if I'm pronouncing that She appeared that in the Ukraine. Let me think now. Before mm -hmm. communism took over, and warned them, mm -hmm. and then seventy years went by, and we all know what happened. They suffered greatly in Ukraine, mm -hmm. greatly, and um, then she appeared again. I, I hesitate to say the date because I might have it wrong. Nineteen. Might be not. Well, I'm not even going to say the date. Okay. All I was going to say is after the communist mm -hmm. period it collapsed. And she had predicted they would be free. Yeah. And within a few years of that prediction, they were free and mm -hmm. they were independent. And she appeared over a long period of time, um, uh, like maybe months. Mm -hmm. and, and everyone saw her, yeah. thousands Thousands of people saw her, and um, the, the funny story was that uh, uh, the public television there, which is propaganda television, mm -hmm. uh, wanted to disabuse uh, everybody of this notion that she really was appearing, so they came to film mm -hmm. what they were making fun of, this empty spot, supposedly where everybody thought she was mm -hmm. and they thought we're gonna their plan was show it on TV that night and yeah. say this you see what people are worshiping an empty space mm -hmm. and guess what 
she showed up. <laughs> she was on the film. She she was. They didn't see her when yeah. they took the film, but when they put it on television, there she was. Yeah, that's classic. And it's funny, isn't it? Because so little of that is known, and one reason mm-hmm. why, of course, it was the communists were not about to tell the world what yeah. went on there. Yeah, yeah. I re- I think that the the Ukrainian major archbishop of of that particular Greek Rite Catholic Church mm-hmm. had been leading pilgrimages, I think, to the site over the course of of the years since. So, so certainly that's got a place in the church's belief and practice, mm-hmm. uh, which I, it's just fascinating given current events as well. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us about Our Lady's role today. Her, Medjugorje played such a huge role in your own walk of faith. Um, Our Lady is so significant through Fatima for everything to do with Russia, everything to do with current events. In some ways, clearly kind of Christ has given this time to Our Lady. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about her role in, in restoring faith and restoring peace and restoring the home. Well, that's her message in Medjugorje. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's referred to as the, the queen of peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, I went there with considerable skepticism, as mm-hmm. you know, and went at yeah. the behest of my 20-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. who was more curious. I mean, not that she was you know, so much wanting the devotion. Mm-hmm. She was just so curious about all the miracles. She heard yeah. of the sun spinning and the rosaries turning gold, and which hers did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, and the cross, you know, mm-hmm. growing twice its size and yeah. lighting up without electricity and all these stories. And so, of course, that's the reason I finally wound up taking her. But I... Um, I was even when I got there. Mm-hmm. Was this really the, the real deal? Yeah. Uh, over time, uh, from what everything I saw, the fruits and everything, I just mm-hmm. how could you question the fruits were? And I gotta say, we we await the church's discernment, certainly. But but the Holy See has recently allowed the pilgrimages. Well, There's the, that apostolic the, visitator. the Archbishop yeah. who was appointed by Pope Francis mm-hmm. to take residence over there and watch over the pastoral. Yeah. And he raved about it. He yeah. said it was the confessional of the world. And he said, mm-hmm. um, shortly before he died um, yeah. last year, yeah. in an interview, which, to St. James' credit, no, they never... You yeah, know, the parish there. Yeah, they didn't yeah. do a headline. Mm-hmm. It was really headlines. And in fact, he said, the church has de facto, mm-hmm. this is the way he put it, de facto recognized mm-hmm. Medjugorje. He said, number one, by the appointment, his appointment there by the Pope. Secondly, the fact that the Pope said mm-hmm. that parishes may now officially yeah. sponsor pilgrimages there. Vote Chris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does it make sense? The Pope is saying, you can now go to a false apparition site. Yeah. That doesn't no, make it's a certainly, lot of sense. The That's church what, has certainly come a, a long way from where she was on, on Medjugorje and all of that. Well, she was, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you, the apostolic delegate way back in 1988, mm-hmm. when I was questioning, should we go on that first pilgrimage? Mm-hmm. Uh, he said to me, he said, you know, there are a lot of false reports of apparitions. He mm-hmm. said, 
but this one we are looking at closely. Yeah. The finger of God is there. Yep. And priests would say people go there and they come back different people. Yeah. And I came back different people. Yeah, and so many conversions, so many vocation stories, so many stories coming out of Metrogoria. And the confessions. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been to Lourdes. I've been to Guatemala, Mm -hmm. Guadalupe, excuse me, and uh, Fatima. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never seen Mm -hmm. any of Shrine Mm -hmm. uh, the huge numbers of Mm -hmm. people going to confession. Yeah. It's really a conversion shrine. Yeah. That's the charism of most of Medjugorje. I mean, every every shrine is calling mm-hmm. you to some kind of conversion. Yeah. But Lourdes, for instance, is mm-hmm. more famous for physical healings. Mm-hmm. But they physical healings have happened in Medjugorje. Yeah. But I've never seen, Chris, I've never... What was so startling to me when I went there mm-hmm. was to be in a village where people were going to mass maybe twice a day mm-hmm. and we're saying the rosary walking yeah. down the street. Coming from Washington, D.C., you never yeah. saw that. I mean, to live in a kind of an atmosphere for a week mm-hmm. just seemed yeah. to be suffused with supernatural grace. And then I, I personally yeah. saw so many lives change, mm-hmm. dramatically yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. And I want to just slip in here as we round this out and one of the most essential calls of Medjugorje being to the rosary, which has been a perennial one for the church, a perennial one for the saints and the popes. So no matter what else you get out of, of looking at Medjugorje or, or thinking about Medjugorje, pick up that rosary and, and it can change the world. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being with us here Thank today. Thank you, Chris, and thanks for being my first editor. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been talking to Peggy Stanton, author of From the White House to the White Cross. I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian Helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Thank you.